Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast community, listeners, friends, thank you so much for listening into yet another episode. We are going to dig into a new topic today with a brand new guest, Audrey Dollins. And Audrey is actually a photographer based in Frisco, Texas, and married two kids. Uh, we, were, we were chatting a little bit about kids uh, before we got started here. But Audrey, thank you so much for hanging out today with us at the Boca Podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I am overjoyed to be here with you today, Nathan. I appreciate it. And and we were actually talking before we started recording as well about the idea of energy. Uh, you bring a great <laughs> energy to conversation already. I, I was telling you, I play off that well. I know our audience is going to respond well to that. And, you know, I mean, it's important, and I'm sure we're going to get into this in more detail in a little bit, but when we talk about creating a good experience for our clients, bringing energy to the game makes all the difference in the world. If you're just there kind of driven by ego and your art and your photography, and you're not thinking about how to create the best possible experience, the energy is going to be different. If you're there to, to make friends and to serve your client, that will affect your energy. And I can already, I already get the impression that that's the kind of energy that you bring to your clients that makes all the difference in the world. Oh my goodness. I am going to have to agree with you because I absolutely work hard, but we, every client I work with, there's not a time that we do not have laughs. Yeah. And I think, and that's what I want to pull out of each client I work with is their genuine personality. And we have such a great time. Everyone I work with, we just, like you said, we feed off each other Yes. and it's a great time, but I get so very scared to say, oh, we have fun. Work with me. No, there's a lot of work going on, but we laugh and make light of each situation so that the camera can capture that for sure. Well, and I'll go ahead and, and jump in here too, because I know this is going to be relevant to conversation we're having a little bit later on. Um, your work speaks for itself and we can talk about having fun and creating great experience and you're not minimizing the significance of good photography. But, you know, in this day and age where technology enables pretty much anyone to be a decent, if not good photographer, we've got to figure out other ways to set ourselves apart and and to build a really incredible experience in order to continue to drive business. And so I, I think what we do to create a better experience, including the personality, the energy that we bring to the picture, makes all the difference in the world. Your Instagram account is a good example of your work. And I'll just go ahead and throw this out here for those listening in. If you just go to, of course, Instagram.com or to your app, Audrey, A-U-D-R-I-E-D-O-L-L-I-N-S, Audrey Dollins. And of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. You can see examples of Audrey's beautiful work. It's, it's. I mean, when we talk about high energy, you bring that high energy to your pictures too. They're bright and they're fun. They're energetic, um, rich in color. They're, they're. It's, it's really, really lovely work. Well, thank you so much. Yes, I love vibrant colors. And as you can see when you stroll through, it's a lot of different locations. So yeah. it's not always, it's not always grass. It's not always buildings. But there, there's a lot of different locations, and I just love. Um, like you said, pulling fun and vibrance out of each person and it focuses on the, on the people for sure. And I, and I love that. I, 
I just love people. <laughs> yes, I, I know. You know, I, I've made a concerted effort for anybody that, that follows me on my personal Instagram account to post a lot of pictures of me with people. In fact, that's the majority of what you see, the occasional motorcycle uh, image, yeah. but but me with people because, yeah, relationships at the end of the day, they're, they're kind of everything. I mean, for our, the sake of our personal life and for our business. And I like that you highlight individuals. Of course, it is what you do as well. And we're gonna, we're here to actually talk about photographing bloggers and influencers today. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. On that note, though, talk to me about your photography business's brand position. Uh, and, and for those of you who are not familiar with this phrase, I realize this is something that we not only talk about a lot here on the podcast, but it's also not talked about very much elsewhere in the industry. When we say brand position, we're talking about the unique value proposition the thing that your business brings to the world that no one else does. And even if it's a, a slight twist on an idea that somebody else is is kind of uh, exuding or playing out in their own business, something that's unique. What is that that unique thing that your business offers, Audrey? So the unique thing that I bring is I create strategic steps for my clients. And as you mentioned, I'm a blogger and influencer photographer. We create content. And while we create this content to create consumer appeal, my brand position is to bring out vibrant fun. And we collaborate together to pull that out and highlight products and a business and a person that creates a feeling to get people engaged. So how I do that is to educate myself on the product, the person, and when we put them in front of the camera, I start interacting with them to bring that out of them, to bring the feeling out of them that helps other people feel engaged with them to go, who is this person? Yeah. I want to be that person's friend. Yeah. And if you're familiar with bloggers, and I'm so excited I'm on this podcast to bring light to the real work that's behind it. That's what we do. We want to create something tangible to feel that you're a part of it. And that's what photographs do is to create feeling. And so when we create that feeling, we create a connection. So my brand position is to pull the vibrance and the behind the scenes hustle of this business owner to the forefront. Well, and, and I'm actually on the homepage of your website, which I'll also mention. We'll also link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But it's just simply Audrey, A-U-D-R-I-E, Dolins.com. I'm a huge friend or fan rather of brevity. And I was actually talking to you, Audrey, before we started recording. It's something that I have to work on as a podcast host. I have a tendency of talking a little bit too much and I'm trying to figure out how to, to kind of cull some of my words, say what's needed, but also be engaging in conversation. But to that point of brevity, you just kind of described what you do in detail, but I love the brief and concise way in which you sum up your brand position on the homepage of your website. So anybody goes to visit your, your website, this really beautiful, colorful, vibrant image there of you with your name. And then they scroll down just a little bit and it just says that very simply a photographer who, who curates imagery for clients to accelerate their products, brands, and businesses, creating consumer appeal through imagery and video. Now, just uh, we could we could kind of go at this from different angles. First of all, I like what the brand position does. We talk a lot about the idea of a, a big picture view here on the podcast and having kind of overarching goals that drive 
certainly what we do personally and how that then trickles down or should trickle down to our business model and then how our business model should drive what we do on a day-to-day basis, how we spend our time. A photographer who, who curates imagery for clients to accelerate their products, brand, and businesses is a really, I mean, aside from being a pretty concise brand position, it also sums up how you should be spending your time as a business owner. And I love that because I think as business owners, we all need that kind of driving, we could call it a mission, but in this case, a brand position that determines how we spend our time. It filters out the stuff that's not necessary and enables us to focus on what is going to enable us to accomplish our goals. What are your thoughts about that? So it took me, and I'm going to be 100% honest, it took me a very long time when I started out over eight years ago on what type of photographer and what I was great at. It took me a while to figure out what my brand position is. And it, I, it was about two to three years ago when I finally found this is, this is what I'm doing. When you want to hire someone, especially for a business, and I am an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs, when you hire someone for your business that you, you are investing all of this money in, you don't really have the time to go wedding photographer. You know, like you're trying to figure out who can help you accelerate this. Who can help your business? And when you're searching through or you're Googling or you're trying to find, well, how do I start my social media? You know, if I'm running this business, you're kind of lost in this land of how do I begin marketing? And I felt like with this words and what I actually do helps me get very precise on what I do. And it took me a long time to, to get there with these words. Like, what do I do? What do I photograph? Um, And I'm still trying to educate businesses on you know, my niche of photography, because there's not a lot of us like wedding photographers. When you can type that in, get a lot of options for businesses. They're still learning that we're out there, that we photograph and can help um, accelerate their business. I hope that makes sense. Well, I I think it's important, first of all, that, that we have you, that our listeners have you as an example of somebody who's taken the time to figure out how to communicate that brand position. And again, as much as you took, you know, whatever it was, 60 seconds or so to kind of break it down for us earlier, I love the brevity of that first sentence there on your site. And I think it's a great example of how a photographer can potentially communicate a brand position in a really simple, concise, streamlined way. Because we have to remember, and and I mean, I'm guilty of this too, so I know from personal experience, but we have to remember we function in a culture, first of all, where there's just a lot of noise, lots of stuff yeah. going on all around us. We're constantly consuming content. We're hearing people talk in one form or another, whether it's through digital media or you know, maybe actually on the phone occasionally or in person or otherwise, but we're hearing a lot of noise. So very few people have time to sit there and listen to us go on for five minutes trying to explain what we do. And so in order to be able to capture somebody's attention, we have to dial in what it is that we do in in such a way that we can communicate it within, um, I mean, literally in these outlines that I sent, again, to kind of break the fourth wall here for our listeners, I'll send an outline ahead of time to our guests. And the way that I frame this question, I say it's a 15 second answer. What is your photography business's brand position? 15 seconds may even be too long. And I love that your sentence can be said in about, you know, five, five seconds, seven seconds. Mm -hmm. If you have an opportunity to be able to communicate what your business does to a potential client, whether that's, again, through digital media or in person or otherwise, 
You need to be able to do it concisely. This is a great example. And I'm actually in the process of going through a book right now called Positioning. And we'll link mm-hmm. to this in the show notes for everybody who's curious. I know we talk a lot about this, but I can this the subject really can't be stressed enough because I'm seeing way too many photographers who are just kind of, they're very general in what they say they do, what service they offer. And when you ask about a, a brand position, they're saying largely the same thing that most other people are saying. So you're actually in a unique position right now, Audrey, where you're offering a service that's still, it's still a relatively new thing. I would liken it to brand photography, which is becoming a bit more popular as well. But you're in a, an interesting position where you, you have a unique service to offer. You communicate it clearly and concisely here. But I, I, have to, I want to read a quote here from that book, Positioning, because it's relevant to what we're talking about. And very simply, it says, to succeed in our over-communicated society, a company must create a position in the prospect's mind, a position that takes into consideration not only a company's own strengths and weaknesses, but those of its competitors as well. So not only yes. do we consider what it is that we're good at, what we can actually offer, but we also have to consider how that then posis- positions us against the other, whoever we, whatever we, service that we offer, the other service companies in our in our particular industry in this case photographers what can we do that's different than they do so that when mm-hmm. my brand is mentioned i actually stand out as offering a unique service so um i this is again it's a great example i appreciate you sharing your perspective on it and i, I think again for those of you listening in if you haven't been to audreydollins.com yet go there look at the homepage. this is a great example of a clear concise business or a brand position but it also is great because it can literally drive what Audrey does on a day-to-day basis. If she says, you know, I get, she gets an email in from somebody asking for something or asking that she be, you know, she photograph a particular event or this particular job. If it doesn't reflect what that brand position says right there, she could automatically filter it out and refer it out. Yes, that is exactly, I'm so excited that you said that because listening to other guests that you had on your podcast, they were kind of reflecting the same thing. And, and, when clients come to my website, I want people like their, their questions already be answered. So by the time that they email me, I haven't wasted their time on their search. I want them to find exactly what they're looking for. If I am emailed, we're already a step ahead. I already know how to help them. They already have found what they're looking for. And it, it doesn't create anxiety or stress trying to search for the specific photographer niche that they're looking for. Because if someone contacts me about a wedding, I don't offer that. It's not, you know, available for me to book. Um, I used to do weddings, but when you come to my website, I don't, I don't offer that anymore. And also it gives clients that do book with me confidence in knowing that I'm educated and focused on that area. So they know that all my time and resources are going to them and that I'm not flying away to do family sessions or weddings. Um, so they know that I'm educating myself onto providing services a hundred percent to what they are working on. Exactly. That, and that, that gives me the confidence too. Yeah. When I, when I work with them or I work with a business, um, like I said, that have, that have invested maybe their life savings in this business or their, and, and when I say business, I'm also referring to bloggers because they are businesses and I, I hope that we can kind of get into that too when we, we talk a little bit more, but that they know that I am a hundred percent working for them in their business and that it doesn't, um, I'm not all over the board. I'm directly and I'm educating daily on providing the best services in our niche 
that I can offer. Yeah, you're you're a specialist, which again can direct the way that you spend your time. But it also you alluded to the potential for a lack of confidence, and you know we we talk a lot about in our culture right now this comparison tendency that we have, especially with Instagram. And the reality is, instead of continuing to to compare your photographic ability with somebody else. Um, that the reality is that there are thousands and thousands of photographers out there who can take a decent image. Stop mm-hmm. spending so much time comparing comparing your photographic work. Sure, continue to to work to improve. Um, but that's I mean that's just on us to to be technically sound as photographers. But what you should focus more of your time on is figuring out how you can differentiate yourself as a brand in the experience that you provide, um, and certainly in this case the service that you provide. And Audrey's a, a good example of, of how to co- effectively communicate what it is that she offers very, very specifically. So I know we spent a lot of extra time there today, yeah. but this is, this is definitely an important conversation. It can't be stressed enough. We'll continue to talk about it here on the podcast. And if for those of you listening in, you don't have a distinct brand position. And a distinct brand position isn't, I focus on relationships with my clients. Because everybody at this point in time, 90%, 95% of, of photographers are doing that. So that's not something unique. Make sure that what you're offering, your value proposition is actually unique. It's actually different than what the photographers are offering in your market. And that will make it so much easier for you to build a business and to market. So anyway, let's let's move on, Andre. I appreciate yeah. your input there. Talk to me about the one of the most important lessons that you have learned as a business owner. Again, if you had 15 seconds, what would the piece of advice be that you would give to a fellow photographer? I would say focus on what you want to do, what you have to offer, educate yourself to grow your business, but don't just solely frame your business around what other people are doing. Educate yourself, but don't beat yourself up or, oh, well, she's doing this. So I have to do this. Definitely educate yourself, but stick to what you feel in your gut. That is your brand. That is you. Don't worry, kind of like what we said, comparing ourselves. There are so many photographers out there. There are many times that I wanted to go um, dark and moody with my images because that, you know, that's what's the trend or something like that. But I stuck stuck to my guns of who I am. And I think if if that's what you feel in your gut of that's the direction you want your business to go, stick to it. Educate yourself, but don't compare yourself. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Well, it, uh, the other word that comes to mind here is awareness. I mean, we can educate ourselves or develop a certain amount of awareness. Um, I spend yeah. a little bit of time pretty regularly Monday through Friday going through industry news. And I do this for the sake not of consuming a ton of content. I don't have the mental space capacity at this point in time to, to take in tons and tons and tons of content to know literally everything going on in the industry. But Mm -hmm. I know, based on my so-called filters that we were alluding to earlier, kind of my big picture view and what I'm doing with my brands, I know the information that's relevant to me. So I can scan through industry headlines and Mm -hmm. I can consume the content that's relevant and I can develop a certain amount of awareness of what's going on in the industry. But it doesn't mean that I then suddenly shift my business to literally every headline that I read because it may not be relevant. So awareness is an important thing for sure, but focus on your specialty, as you say. That's that's really, really great advice. And again, we can't stress that enough. It's going to make your life easier. It's going to make running a business easier. You're going to have more free time because now you're not caught up in a bunch of busy work and putting your hands in all these yeah. different other areas which aren't relevant to your personal and business goals. 
be aware, but specialize. That's great, great advice. Talk to me about time because I know that you have a family as well and, and being a business owner, it can be difficult finding free time. What's one tip or technique that you utilize in your life to create more time for yourself and, and for others as well? So it's definitely a schedule that I have put into place. Having a family, I have a 15-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. And then my husband and I will be married for only three years um, come September. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. And he's also a, an entrepreneur. We own a few businesses. We actually just sold one. So our lives aren't, you know, our entrepreneurial lives. Um, but with my photography business, I put in a schedule. So Mondays and Wednesdays are office days. And then Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays are my shoot days. So this has really helped. And then I also, by five o'clock, I, I I laugh at myself because by five o'clock, I am starting dinner. We make sure that we have dinner every night as a family, even when we go to softball games. Wow. And we, we have dinner. It's kind of an unspoken thing that my husband and I have done for the past. We've been together for the past five years. But we have dinner every night. He cooks, I cook, or we order out like everyone. But but we definitely have dinner every night as a family. Will of Fortune is on. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but we put that into play. But really sticking to my schedule. And I'm, and I'm going to be 100% transparent. It's not always perfect. Sure, There are nights that I'm like, I'm going to, you know, edit all night and get these sessions out, A, because I have a deadline or B, because I know if I work, you know, really hard this full day, maybe I can sneak out of the office on my off day on Wednesday and go, uh, go run around with my husband as he's doing all his errands for our other, our other businesses that we own. Absolutely. So it's, I don't like to use the word balance as a blanket. I like to use find your balance in each day. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not. Um, we can't plan everything, even though we would love to have that control. But yes, so be able, being able to kind of set this schedule has, has helped. I can't tell you that it's perfect every week, but it is also, and I don't want to say the word trained my clients. I don't, you know, I don't own them like that, but it's put us in a rhythm where they know, okay, Audrey's in the office on Wednesdays and Mondays. I know she's out working um, Tuesdays, uh, Thursdays, and Fridays, because oftentimes with the um, niche that I'm working in, I work with my clients weekly, monthly. It's reoccurring. Okay. Uh, so they, they know these days. So that's kind of what has helped me out tons. That's great. You know, and, and I'm glad that you bring up the reality, which is that even if we put a structure in place, and, and I'm going to recommend for any and everyone listening in that you put some type of a schedule in place for your week. It doesn't have to be you know, minute by minute or in 15-minute increments or time blocking every hour of every day. You don't have to go to the extreme. Uh, we can kind of apply the 80-20 principle here, the 90-10 principle. If you do it most of the time and you're consistent with it, you're going to see results. I personally am, am extremely disciplined when it comes to what I eat and and ultimately what I, how I like to maintain my weight, but I mm -hmm. still give myself basically a day each week where I can kind of let loose a little bit and have a little bit of fun. And I mean, through that process, that kind of 90, 10 or 80, 20 principle of six days on one day off, 
I've put my body in a pretty great place. It's not about going to the extreme. And this, mm-hmm. this totally is applicable to, to running our business, running our personal lives, and certainly putting a, a structure or a schedule in place. I mean, part of the wonders of being our own boss is that we can be flexible if we want to. We can kind of go with the flow. And if something happens, we adjust. Uh, or like you pointed out, you can you can set things aside and go out and spend some extra time with your husband, whatever it might be. But consistency is key. Having a system in place, consistency is key. Breaking the rules every once in a while, not a big deal. And I think uh, that's also a really great example for our listeners. Let's talk about photography just briefly. What's one of the most unusual items in your camera bag that enables you to be a better photographer? And this doesn't have to be a, a camera body or lens or flash or otherwise. Well, you know... <laughs> And I think I kind of put this out there. I I honestly don't have anything in my bag that's unfamiliar. I would say the number one thing that helps me in the type of photography I'm in is a, the, a flash bender. I am a blogger photographer, so I have to be prepared to be to be able to be in any lighting situation or any event. So a flash bender really helps me. But then I also said a stun gun in my bag, and I know that's funny. <laughs> um, but I do. I, my husband actually was laughing. Well, he wasn't laughing. We were laughing about how powerful it is because I go a lot of locations. So my locations are downtown Dallas. And when you want to get some unique shots and some artistic backgrounds, they're not always, always in the best area. So to say, to say that is a little embarrassing, but it's funny because, you know, we have to be aware of our surroundings, but it's hot, it's hot pink. And in my, in my bag, so when we're walking the street. (laughs) We can protect ourselves, maybe. You're but well protected, was, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned a flash bender, though. What what is like? Is that a particular brand, or are you just talking about a reflector that you put on top of your flash? What is it? Yes. Oh, I didn't even research the brand. Yes, it goes. It's a particular. Um, it bounces the flash and kind of spreads the light out, and it just you know velcros right on top of your flash. Okay. It's flexible. Yeah. Maybe I can send you that link of, of the brand that I use. Cause I don't know it off the top of my head for sure. Yeah. We can, we can just put that in the show notes for everybody listening in. And, and, and this is a good opportunity just to remind you, if you listen to the Boca podcast, go to bocapodcast.com with each of the episodes, there are show notes, we link to resources and of course our guest website and social media. So make sure you check that out. But yeah, we can definitely link to that later on. Okay. Awesome. Yes. It's, it's a game changer for sure. For some quick lighting and help. It's it's great. Yeah. Having just a little bit of softening of the light as opposed to just shooting it directly at somebody, uh, yes. I think, I think is really, really nice. I'm, I'm actually trying as we're talking here to, to pull up the, I'm looking here at the reflector that I've used in the past on my flash. Cause I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. Let me see if I can pull this up. But are, as far as the gear that you're using, are you, are you Canon person? Are you a Nikon person? And do you tend to shoot with a particular lens? I am a Nikon person. I shoot with I shoot with the 50 and 35 a lot. The 35 allows me to get more of the room. I often get into some tight places. Bathrooms, I know it sounds funny that I'm photographing in bathrooms, but we photograph a lot of products. Sure. And so I go back and forth from the 50 to 35 constantly. The 50 has just been something I've I started with and I live with, like I can't live without it. I've tried so many other lenses, but then the 35 is just a, it's a great lens that I can get a lot more in the image in in certain situations. So Nikon and 50 and the 35 is, is what I, I constantly use on a daily basis. 
Love it. Well, and again, for those of you who are curious what that then translates to, if you just go to Audrey's Instagram, it's just Audrey, A-U-D-R-I-E-D-O-L-L-I-N-S, Audrey Dolans on Instagram. By the way, I did pull up this this flash diffuser that I really enjoy. I know that MagMod has kind of taken over the industry in the last couple, two or yeah. three years at least, but um, there is there is a product and, and it's kind of a no-name product, honestly, but DEM, D-E-M-B, flashproducts.com. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, this little flash reflector diffuser, if you will, um, it's so minimalist. Um, it does Velcro on, but it's so minimalist that you can kind of slide it in your pocket or just slide it into a purse or slide it into a, a small bag. It doesn't take up a lot of space, but it does a great job of reflecting light, throwing light flo- forward if you want a softer light. So we'll link to that in the show notes, and then we'll also get Audrey's uh, later on and put that in the show notes as well. But thanks for sharing that, Audrey. Talk to us about an impactful business or self-help book that you've read or listened to. Yes, for sure. So I definitely do read. I haven't read a book lately, but do listen to a lot of podcasts, okay, uh, especially cool. yours. I love your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but the last full book that I really sat down and read were two of them was Light is the New Black by uh, Rebecca Campbell. It is a wonderful book. It's a guide on basically finding your light and how to use it. Um, and then, of course, I love Rachel Hollis, Girl, Wash Your Face. So those are the last two like tangible books that I've read. But then as far as like podcasts, you know, I love Brene Brown, all all of that good stuff. But yes, I definitely feel like reading and educating myself and, and giving nurture to my mind is it definitely helps me through this entrepreneurial business for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, to our earlier conversation, I think it's good to, to limit ourselves as well. And I, I don't know what the exact, I feel like they're like, I'm not fully taking advantage of the capacity of my mind. Like maybe I could be taking in a lot more information. And simultaneously, I know that um, at least on a day-to-day basis right now, I have a hard time processing so much information. I tend to do a better job when I can focus on a little bit of information. So how much of that to consume, how many books we should read a year, how many podcasts and YouTube videos and all this stuff. I think that we, if we tend to err on the side, maybe of a little bit less, but then actually applying that content, yeah. it's going to be a lot better for us. But we'll make sure to link to those, those books that you mentioned in the show notes for our listeners as well. I can't agree with you. I cannot agree with you more about what you just said about limiting. I'm just, I will throw this out there and be a hundred percent honest. I actually had a therapist tell me you need to turn it off a little bit. Like yeah. let your mind soak some of that in and mm. take action and don't keep overflowing your mind. Yeah. You got to let your mind resonate and then to put those things in action. Uh, a friend of mine, Michelle, she's a, an amazing wedding photographer in Dallas. We, we want to, we work so hard and we're like, okay, what do we need to do? And we basically, you know, tell each other, let's use what we already have, what yeah. we already know. Yeah. Stop you know, pouring it into our minds and putting it into action and, and kind of taking a breather and really listen, you know, listen to what you've listened to and put it into action and not just continuously pouring it in. So definitely taking a break and, and putting into action. I completely agree with you hundred percent. Oh, that's good. Thank you for that reminder. That's really great. Let's actually talk about your business though. Um, because I, I know that you were previously a wedding and portrait photographer, but you shifted gears and you've gone toward this niche, as you mentioned earlier, of photographing bloggers and influencers. How did you make that move or why did you make that move? What's the backstory? So, yes, I'm so uh, it's so funny how it happened, because like you said, I was a, a portrait and wedding photographer and 
I've had photographed several weddings with a hair and makeup company that I work with in Dallas a lot. And one of their makeup artists asked me if I would take her photos for her blog. And I was so unfamiliar with, you know, like blogging photography and all that. I was like, I am not going to charge you. I do not know what this is. I'm uneducated on this, but you know, I'll, I'll take some photos for you. And then when I kind of found out (laughs) some of the pricing that kind of went on along with blogging uh, photography, I was like, Oh no, I I make way too much uh, being a wedding photographer. I'm not sure if that's in my realm, but then when I started to do it and I found that interaction and I found the need and as an entrepreneur uh, owning a few other businesses, besides being a photographer, I was like, Oh my goodness, there is a need here. And this is so inspiring. All these business owners, uh, like the makeup artists and what we were photographing, I was like, this is great. There is a need, there's an importance, there's social media presence for businesses. And we can take all these courses that tell us, you know, like you need to have this photo and you need to tell this story. And all these businesses are wanting to tell the story about what they have to offer but where do they start? They need imagery to start that story. And so when I was able to work with this makeup artist, I was like, oh my goodness, this is great. This is, this is what I want to do. Um, so it was very funny on the wedding industry introduced me to the, the blogging and influencer industry. And so now I only, I actually phased out the weddings I offer. I only have uh, two more weddings this year um, because, you know, you can't just shut the door. You're done. Right. You can't, you can't do that. So I only have two more weddings, but I, I don't publicly promote that I offer those services for weddings anymore, but I'm a hundred, hundred percent committed to my client. But yeah, so it started taking over and, uh, word of mouth, uh, posting those images and other, um, and the need for it, the need for a photographer with that niche was so large. I found myself working with some of the industry's biggest bloggers because, they they needed a photographer. Wow! So it got it got very big, very fast, and very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and you like exciting I, I, again. I yes. love your energy in this. But tell me, is there a difference? I mean, I, you even mentioned in the profile on your Instagram account, you mentioned branding. Is there a difference between, say, being a brand photographer and a blogger photographer, a photographer of bloggers? We, we did an episode back to twenty four actually with Erica and John Hayes talking about how to become a brand photographer. Is there a difference between the two? I think there is. I think there's a different approach and strategy, but then there's a resemblance because businesses also want to become tangible. So when businesses or brands that are creating a product, they a sometimes hire bloggers, influencers to help educate the public about their product, but also they want to um, create images of themselves that are blogger influencer type to be tangible like them. So it's, that's why I kind of jump back and forth and I'm kind of an asset to influencers and brands because I work with both. And so I want to create tangible images for brands and I'm educated on how bloggers do that and connect with their audience. And then I'm also educated by the brands on what they expect and want from their influencers. 
Hmm. So you still want a professionalism in the brand and the business owner that is, you know, that you can invest your money in with the brand, but you also want to be tangible. Um, I work with chiropractors. I worked with, I work with cardiologists that is creating blogger content that can reach her clients that can, can educate her audience. Uh, I actually have a, a shoot with the cardiologist tomorrow. Um, that she is a business. She is very educated and we want to make her look like a professional, but yet she wants her images to be tangible, like a blogger, uh, like a lifestyle type so that she can be tangible to her clients and not be fearful. And, you know, like when you speak of cardiology, it's very, it can create anxiety or fear where when you see her talk or you see her images, uh, you're brought in. So there is a difference, but it, it kind of comes back and forth with education and the direction and the strategy that you want for your imagery. Huh, that's really interesting. And, and when you say tangible, you're talking about being accessible or being personal, right? Yes, yes. Being personable and creating that content with the everyday person through social media or uh, online. Got it, got it. Okay, so talk to me first of all about what makes a good blogger photographer. What are some of the characteristics? Uh, so some great characteristics and being in the blogging world, it's very important. So I have about three. Being a photographer is, it is, it is important to create and, and provide the best images. But I think your work ethic for sure is what sets you apart. And to be a blogger photographer, you have to be able to meet deadlines. And often sometimes these deadlines are pretty quick. It's, you know, with certain industries uh, in photography, you have a little bit more time, but it's to be able to meet uh, deadlines. And a lot of bloggers have contracts with larger companies and, and branding contracts. So you have to be able to not only create the images, but edit the images and get them back to the client so they can submit them to to be reviewed. These are, these are pretty big contracts with pretty big companies, and it's, it's a lot of fun to work with them, but you have to be able to meet those deadlines. And what are some of the turnaround times? Like, Are you talking about two or three days or less? Or oh, more? my goodness. So sometimes it is two or three days. But let's say we have, when you go to like New York Fashion Week or you have reward style conference, I don't know if you're familiar with the Like to Know It app. It monetizes a lot of uh, fashion and home products. Um, but certain things, for instance, like Nordstrom and all this, they will send, they will have a huge sell. And when, when products are needing to be marketed, um, you're even looking at next day. Wow. Yes. So it is between two to three days on average, but then sometimes in certain events and situations, it's even, it's even next day. And do you have to kind of adjust your, your shoot schedule accordingly? Like you limit the number of shoots you have in a week, for example, if you're going to have that kind of fast turnaround time? That is correct. Yes. So if it's a, when a client, whether they are a new client or returning a reoccurring client, um, when we go to schedule, we talk about what we're shooting and then they let me know this is important. And if, and if I'm not able to do it, I'm very much upfront. Like there's no, there's no way I can turn that around, but yes, they let me know immediately so we can, we can make it happen. Okay. So you've got to be able to meet deadlines. And I, I love that the first, I mean, you talked about the significance of work ethic. Yeah. Being a, a good photographer technically is, is important. That's kind of given a given these days. Unfortunately, technology makes that e- even easier than ever, but um, work ethic drives a great blogger photographer. In this case, number one, the ability to be able to meet deadlines, um, no excuses. You got to deliver. What's another characteristic? 
Well, and with that really quick, I was going to say rain or shine. So rain or shine, we have to photograph these products for these businesses because if I don't come through through for my client, they aren't coming through for their client. So they they have contracts. So that's weighty to me. And you have to respect that these aren't just images for, you know, to post on Instagram. And I think that's why it's important to me that I would love to shine light on is they're not just, they're not doing this because, oh, I feel pretty. They're doing this because a company has hired them to market the, these products. Mm. And so you definitely have to be re- you know, reliable for sure. Then in the second one I was going to say is lighting. And I think that's where the wedding industry totally created the photographer that I am because you are not promised a beautiful or a cloudy day. You know, you're not <laughs> promised. You yeah, never so know true. what you're going to you never know what you're going to step off into and wedding photographers can make such beautiful things and still create imagery and a style out of something that maybe you weren't expecting. Maybe you just didn't know that the whole place was going to be cabin wood you know? <laughs> and they want light and airy. Um, and I have stepped into so many situations like that where I have a client and we need to shoot, but it's raining and it's, cloudy and they want to shoot in their bathroom and I'm like oh my goodness we have to submit this to this huge brand (laughs) and it is so dark yeah so you have to be ready for that and Texas weather you never know what you're going to get yeah so definitely lighting educate yourself like you're talking about the flash bender being able to know how to capture it and then being able to get it in in Lightroom or Photoshop to to make it look presentable for the company so definitely lighting And then my last one would be to listen and collaborate. As a blogger photographer, we are working for two clients. We're working for the blogger that hired, and then we're working for the company that hired the blogger. So if you're not able to listen and understand what the goal is for that shoot, for that particular product, you're going to miss the mark. So you have to listen and you have to be able to take the request. And then you have to, if they want to critique and they request something else. You have to be able to take that. And sometimes it's not always easy. Yeah. And we've done a few reshoots where even, even the client I photographed didn't know we had to be outside or, or certain things and just be able to listen and be able to collaborate and not just go off of what you want and what you're used to. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that um, I think we've begun talking about this more consistently as of late here on the podcast, but it's, it's that idea of setting ego aside. And I, I think part of the reason no, I know part of the reason that I bring this up is because this is something that I've struggled with, honestly, for years uh, in one form or another, my personal life, my business life. You, you have to be able to set your ego aside, be able to take constructive criticism. In some cases, it may not even feel very constructive, <laughs> but you have to hear it out make adjustments, and then ultimately deliver on the product. And the focus is on serving the client well and our our desire for a particular thing second. And I think, you know, I was just interviewing another photographer yesterday who was talking about the significance of putting the work that you want to photograph, putting that work out there consistently. So if brands come to you or an individual comes to you to be photographed, they know the type of finished product that you deliver in, and hopefully at least the majority of the time they're going to be expecting something comparable. So you're not, you're not kind of diverting so drastically from your photographic style or your processing style. But at the end of the day, 
serving the client. That's what's most important. And um, so I, I love that you emphasize that there. I, I know that we talked about this earlier, um, at least a little bit, the significance of being able to stand out from other photographers, but this brand photography is on the rise. And, mm-hmm. and of course, somebody that can photograph an influencer, I mean, this is something that is also on the rise because there's such a demand for it. How do you set yourself apart amongst that particular group? Yes. Like we said, definitely our relationships with our clients. A, you can definitely see the the difference in through the images. But I set myself apart because when A, word of mouth and, and clients tell everyone what the relationship I have with them and with each client. And like I said, for a, an aspect of what makes a blogger photographer, it, it's because I'm reliable. They know that if there is a deadline, that my heart's in it, that I'm going to be there, that I, I work hard. I'm not scared to get dirty. I'm not scared. I will do 100% to get the job done and do the best that I possibly can for my client. That sets me apart in the industry as far as me personally. And then publicly, kind of like what you were saying, when you go to my website and you go to my Instagram, I'm very precise on what I offer and what and how I photograph things. So not only behind the scenes of the relationships I build, but um, publicly on what I am directing and, and selling to my clients. Now, we've talked about this idea of brand position, setting yourselves apart, but talk to us about how you actually go about reaching a client. How do you go about developing a client base of bloggers? Is, is there a, a preferred method or set of methods that you take to market to this target market? Yes. So definitely our online presence is is number one. I always tell clients that Instagram and Facebook is definitely that helps get the message out there leading from your website. So you want to, to of course, have your website be your baby. Then you share via social media outlets. But the number one thing that I uh, market and how I reach clients is there is networking in your hustle. So when I'm out working with clients or I'm photographing an event or I meet other clients and I, I am very respectful and I'm bringing out fun while I'm working. And so when I am being introduced to people, the presence and my interaction with other other guests or other companies, that's when I market. I, I don't particularly do anything other than just doing the best I can for my client and then the, in word of mouth. I do send out newsletters and do the basics through my business, but word of mouth and just networking while I'm hustling is, is really caught, carried my business along. Okay. So online presence. And then, as you said, networking through hustling or through your work, talk to me just briefly, if you will, about the online presence, because you have particularly on Instagram, quite a bit of competition. There are a lot of people photographing influencers. What do you do specifically on Instagram, maybe Facebook in order to reach potential clients? And, And maybe just to kind of build on that, what percentage of your clients do you get as a result of Instagram? Yes. So definitely Instagram is I would say 75 to 80% if you know where they come through Wow! because of my clients are on social media so much. Okay. Their Instagram is social is social media and monetized driven to their website. And that's where they create their income that I am tagged in a lot of their images. 
I'm tagged and I'm given photo credit. So when uh, that occurs, they are, that is also a part of our agreement when we work together. Um, when we, when, when you become my client, there are, you know, just like a wedding client, we agree to these certain um, aspects of doing business and doing business. I am to be tagged in their imagery and also in their blog posts. So when that happens, a lot of times they will say, I saw you working with so-and-so and I would love to know what you have to offer. So that is that I'm glad that you brought that up because that did elude my mind. But yes, I work with my, my clients that I'm to be given photo credit. And so that works for me while they're working. So that's yeah. a very big plus in the industry that I'm in as well. Oh, it's it's huge. As I was thinking, like that, this is the industry it seems like to to be in right now. Yeah. Just with <laughs> yeah. all the focus on on social media, Instagram in particular, the fact that as part of your work, you're going to be tagged, and naturally, if people like that, then they're going to be like, "Hey, I I want Audrey to do my photos as well." That's wow, what a golden opportunity. That's incredible. So 80% of your work through Instagram, would you say the rest is just kind of word of mouth referrals? Yes. Yes. Okay. So talk to us about a, a shoot then. What does a shoot look like if you're hired to go photograph a blogger? Can you just kind of walk us through that process? Yes. So when we are setting up a shoot, a typical day for a blogger is, and to shine a little bit of light, is if you go on Pinterest and let's say, you know, you're talking about eating healthy and all these things. When you go onto Pinterest or you go onto social media and let's say you want to get healthy or you want a healthy meal and you go on a Pinterest and you tap that in and this beautiful meal pops up and you, and you read on how to make it. I work with the bloggers that create that content. Hmm. So they are preparing and have everything prepared before I arrive. So let's say we're going to do a healthy meal. So all of those items are prepared before I arrive. As one of my clients said, it takes me an hour of prep time to shoot an hour. So they are already prepped and ready. And so when I walk through the door, I most of the time I know what I'm walking into so I can be prepared. But sometimes I don't. I don't know what we're going to photograph. But then I walk in and we begin to photograph her recipe of something healthy or an outfit. And we, we kind of break down each step or we break down an outfit from the earrings to the shoes, et cetera. And then that content created, of course, we have laughs all in between there. And we kind of go step by step on my feed. And here is the, in the blogger world and photography world, I don't tag everything that we're actually working on just because that is the blogger's content. Whereas my content is the actual image, but the blogger will create an intent for the shoot we capture that intent, and then there is a story written in step-by-step on how to find the products, how to use the products. It's not just a pretty picture that goes on social media. Right. The social media then directs them to that Pinterest <laughs> that Pinterest pin to help you get that healthy meal. Are you writing some of that copy as well, or are you just focused on the photography? I am totally focused on the photography. Okay. So they will, they will write, they will tell me what the motive is. And then that's where we collaborate together if the imagery is telling the correct story. Now, how long does an average shoot, you, you alluded to the idea of prep an hour, shoot an hour, but is an average shoot an hour long? Or how does, how does that look as far as the management of your shooting schedule? 
Yes. So the reoccurring clients that I have, we shoot basically one to two hours every week or every other week. So I would say about two hours is the average. Wow. And, and they are prepared. So they know, and, and as I contact, you know, as we grow our relationship, they know to have these things prepared so we can shoot it. There is a lot of content going out for bloggers. It's a lot of work. It's really, it's a lot of work depending on what we're shooting. We sometimes block a whole day depending on the, the magnitude of what we're photographing. But when you do a reoccurring client and, and it's, it differs from a wedding client to, you know, a family session, they're not used to being in front of the camera. And please let me note this too. Not all bloggers are confident in front of the camera. Hmm. Some days are, are not always the best days. They're not having the best, you know, the best day sometimes. And they're not, all, you know, they're not just like, oh, look at me, you know, look at me. I'm ready to be in front of the camera. Um, but they are, they are used to being in front of the camera. So they know how to prepare and prep to get the most out of their session. So we can get a lot of content shot during that time. And then I'm actually on your site uh, homepage again. I just clicked on investment and it scrolls down. And I was looking at the section specifically for influencers and bloggers. And it looks like the starting fee is $350. And then they're just paying you a $150 per hour fee after that? Yes. And it kind of fluctuates depending on what we're shooting, okay. depending on the magnitude. So if you're an initial client, if you're beginning or if you are an established one, this is when we this is when a fee is established to start strategizing. Got it. And then then the the fee that follows up with the hourly, it ranges as well. It starts at 150, but it depends on what we're actually shooting. Um if there's an event or if there's other things that come into play. Okay. Um and then what also happens are third-party investments which is not listed on the the website. So I will shoot this content for the blogger. Now, as I said, when we're shooting the content, it may be for a brand or a company. If that brand or company wants to purchase the images, then that those are different fees for their marketing. So there's different ways of income that flow into this type of business that are not actually really discussed a whole lot. But I'm very transparent when when it comes to the to, to the money and investment part. As I said, when people started telling me the pricing of blogging, I'm like, whoa, that's not enough. Like when we, when we get paid in wedding photography, we're hearing thousands. And then when you come down to blogging, you're like only that much, right? but there's different avenues of income that resonate through there that have increased my sales by 30% this year. So don't let, don't let that number fool you as I am very thankful and, and love this industry that I'm in. But yes, it's, those prices also are very tangible to small business. And that's what's important to me as well. Yep. So that, um, because like I said, it's reoccurring. And when you shoot an hour and you have a client that is prepped and ready and is, and knows exactly what they're doing when you walk through the door, A, it's a lot of fun and it's the great moneymaker <laughs> for me. Yeah. Well, re- the fact that it is reoccurring though is interesting. You know, when I was saying, wow, wow earlier, it wasn't so much at the, the, the amount of time that you spend per shoot as, as I was thinking about the significance of this recurring revenue because for mm-hmm. wedding photographers, yeah, we may make a chunk of money at one time. And of course there are costs involved in that. So it's not, we don't take all of that home, but it sounds great up front, but, but then that's kind of one and done. And you may eventually photograph the family if, uh, but, but, 
this idea of recurring revenue, and on top of that, working within an industry that that kind of centers around social media. I mean, this sounds like the business. Like, I don't, I don't need to do photographers edit or podcasting <laughs> or anything else anymore. I'm just going to become this. This is, but this is really mm-hmm. fascinating. And it, and it seems like if you've got good systems in place, not only not only does this enable you to make a, a healthy income, as you were describing, but you can also do it without totally killing yourself too. Because I, I know personally, I tend to enjoy working in shorter spurts of time. So the idea of an, an hour shoot or even a two or three hour shoot, and then kind of being done for the day, and then having other admin work um, is is appealing. Um, not having yes. to shoot 12 hour, 14 hour wedding days like I, I used to, that's, that's kind of a relief. Yes, for sure. It really is. I think that's what has me so excited. It made a huge change. It is definitely given back the weekend's Because like you said, working 14-hour wedding days, and I'm 35 years old, and I look at photographers that spend all these days, the next day on Sunday, or if the wedding was on Friday, and you're resting on Sunday, I'm wiped out. I am wiped out after photographing a wedding, and and being able to be a blogger, an influencer photographer, where I'm able to do these things during the week has, you know, an increased sales. I'm just like, this is, this is great. No, it's work. I mean, <laughs> sure. it is work. I, I definitely put in the hours for sure. And it is Monday through Friday. It, it really is. It is full time. If you want to, we're entrepreneurs. This goes through our brain and we want to, uh, you know, do better and do these things. Yeah. And like we talked about earlier, it's not always perfect, but yeah, it, it is, it is a lot of, it is a lot of fun. It's it's very, it's a great industry to be in for sure. Just in closing, and you began to allude to this, but what would you say are the biggest differences or even benefits moving from wedding photography to being a blogger photographer? Definitely getting the the weekends back for sure. Being able to meet so many wonderful entrepreneurs and business people yeah. in the industry hmm. and becoming a photographer for photographers, for businesses, help, you know, helping people that own these companies that work so hard continue to grow their own business businesses, because that's as an entrepreneur, our whole world is to create income and to have freedom, you know, our, our financial freedom and to help other businesses be able to do that and work on that goal is so fulfilling for me. And then being able to be present with my family on the weekends and watching them grow 15 Mm. and 10 year old, they're growing up so fast. Yes. It's, it's such a great thing to be a part of the blogging photography industry for sure. That's, that's been a blessing. Well, this has been a cool conversation, Andre and, and props to you for putting together a brand and a service um, that seems to be doing just so well, but I think that we've, there've been certain talking points here that are great reminders and, and ultimately inspiration for myself and for our listeners. And I really appreciate you sharing with us just in closing, if you will, one more time, just remind our listeners where they can find you online, your website and social media. Of course. So you can find me at audreydollins.com. A U D R I E D O L L I N S.com. And my Instagram is at Audrey Dollins and uh, Facebook is Audrey Dollins Photography and all the links uh, on our website that, that go on to Pinterest and, and our YouTube channel and all that good stuff. So thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you. And we'll make sure to, of course, link to all of these in the show notes. For those of you listening in, Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com. You can find the links, the resources from today's episode, as well as other episodes that we've been publishing. 
at bocapodcast.com. Thanks again, Audrey. Thank you so much, Nathan. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com dot com.